The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. Negotiate Anything is produced by the American Negotiation Institute. And with over 3 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made it the number one negotiation podcast in the world. I'm Kwame Christian, and I'm the director of the American Negotiation Institute. We're growing, and I want to introduce you to our new team members and new trainers. This will give you new and diverse perspectives on negotiation and conflict resolution. And that's why Shane Martin, our head of sales and partnerships, is going to serve as co-host of the show from time to time. We're excited to continue to provide you with the best content that will help to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, our team conducts negotiation and conflict resolution trainings in the United States and abroad. Our trainings will give you the practical skills you need to resolve conflict, negotiate, lead, and persuade with confidence. Click the link in the description below to learn more about how we can make your difficult conversations easier. Today we're with Hydro Flask inventor and founder, Travis Rossback. We appreciate you joining us and thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in. This podcast is built for you, negotiators, those looking to find more confidence in conflict, those who are passionate about the art of negotiation and sales, procurement entrepreneurs, mothers, fathers, we're always negotiating something. And so this podcast is to help you do that better. Uh, Today, specifically, the purpose is to provide you with actionable tips, insights, and takeaways for you to become a more successful negotiator and entrepreneur. So we have a successful entrepreneur and negotiator with us. So I know you're going to get an immense amount of value today. And so Sneak Peek Hydro Flask is now worth over $200 million. And Travis is going to share a little bit about why he started. The company is going to tell us about some of his greatest negotiations. And it might not be what you expect. So uh, Travis, please introduce yourself and uh, briefly share what experience you have in negotiations as an entrepreneur and ultimately inventor of Hydro Flask. Oh, thank you, Shane. Thanks a lot for having me. This is a great honor to be here. You've had a lot of great guests on your show, and I feel a little underprepared to be you know, listed as one. So thank you very much. Um, my name is Travis Rossback. I grew up in Oregon and uh, quickly went down to the U.S. Virgin Islands to go meet my dad and, and work in the scuba diving industry for quite some time. I graduated from uh, South Salem High School in, in 1997 in Salem, Oregon, and, and went down to the Virgin Islands to live full-time. Became a boat captain, a dive instructor, a dive master, and, and did that for a lot of years, um, not only in the U.S. Virgin Islands, but sort of all around the world. I'd take off and travel and go boat or work on boats or, or scuba diving. Um, then I realized that I wanted to be a, a commercial airline pilot. So I started learning how to fly airplanes right around nine 11 and eventually made my way up to Seaborne airlines flying, uh, twin engine, uh, twin otters on floats down in St. Croix, St. Thomas and Puerto Rico did that for a while, moved up to Florida and started flying, uh, corporate and charter jets and did that for a number of years. And then really wanted to get into business and entrepreneurship. The entrepreneurial bug started really biting. And so started, um, a number of businesses sort of 
everything from a sign company in Hawaii to a fence company in Bend, Oregon, a real estate investing company in Florida. And then, yeah, as you said, um, the Hydro Flask came along and, and that kind of put the name Travis Ross back uh, out there a little bit more and sold that and started a company called the Tumlo Group, where we help other businesses or entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs get uh, started and, and making products and getting going out in the entrepreneurial world for themselves. Wow. Travis Rossback, a, a true a true renaissance man, home wherever his heart is, as they say. That is interesting. I also have my pilot's license as well. So that is a really fun fact. And I think that there's a lot to learn about being a pilot, following checklists and things like that, um, making sure that you cover all your bases, just like in negotiations. So it sounds like you your journeys have taken you all around the world. And part of that, of course, is negotiating uh, with yourself and negotiating with others. And so in your story, you mentioned uh, you went to high school in the Virgin Islands and um, you negotiated your way out of high school. Is that right? Or can you tell us about t- tell us about that negotiation that you got out of high school somehow? Oh, well, actually, yeah, I, I did not go to um, high school in the Virgin Islands. I tried to actually, but my math skills were just atrocious. And they were like, no, I would have to hold you back one more year. And I didn't want to get held back another time because I'd already been held back in first grade and I didn't want to be held back again. So I came back home to Salem to graduate, but um, I got home and my grades were just not very good at all. And I spent very little time uh, my senior year at, at school. Actually, I was I was really more out at the beach and going out and doing, doing other stuff. And they, uh, they told me, even though I, even though I like, I would have been held back had I stayed in the VI, I came home to graduate and they told me, Nope, you can't graduate. You're going to get held back anyway. I was like, Oh, geez, I, I can't do that. And so I just started to like negotiate like with them on, you don't want me here one more year. I don't want to be here one more year. So what can we do to get out of this situation that we're currently facing? And sure enough, they said, well, if you go downtown and spend every afternoon working on these packets and these worksheets and stuff like that, you can get enough credits to, you know, barely skip, you know, skim by. So (laughs) I went down to this like, you know, like special school for special people who don't have enough credits. And um, I met someone there who was pretty good at math and she would do my math for me and I would do, you know, whatever for her and (laughs) negotiate myself out of that school, which got me back into my South Salem high school, which I then was able to get out of finally. Yeah. (laughs) You're truly one of a kind. Truly. (laughs) I'm I'm learning. I'm learning that, uh, you know, there are, there are a lot of uh, advanced negotiation techniques, I think, that you used in this situation. One, you were bold and, and asked for what you wanted. Two, you, you were collaborative and you made, <laughs> made it happen. You asked open-ended questions, which are, which are super important. And so, um, you know, as the Hydroflask uh, founder and just learning about your story and just hearing you a moment ago, it's like you didn't always have a plan B. You just went with what your heart and what your gut was saying, what your mind was telling you. And so taking that mindset, how important do you think is mindset in negotiations as an entrepreneur? Uh, I think it's, it's absolutely critical. 
yeah, no, I, I've, I've very seldom have ever had a plan B, you know, for, for, for good or bad. It plan B is just not something that I bring along with me anywhere I go. It's, it's always just, this is how it feels best. And so therefore this must be right. So therefore we're going this direction. And as long as everybody's happy, awesome. If somebody's not happy, let's talk about it and let's see how we can either get you happy or get you out of the way so that I can at least keep on going and, and doing what feels best and what I think is going to be the best. And yeah, so mindset's huge. It's a huge part of it. Cause if, if I walked into any negotiation with anything thinking, Oh, well, you know, I might lose. <laughs> well, I've already lost before I've started. So what's the point of even going in? Do you have maybe a negotiation where that's happened? Which one? What, that was, what's happened? Uh, where maybe you've walked in thinking like, well, I don't have a lot of leverage here. I, I was, I was just thinking about my daughter who's four. Like she wanted, um, she wanted, um, <laughs> she wanted chocolate with her, her waffles on Saturday. And I didn't want her to have the chocolate with breakfast. I was like, I wanted to wait until a little later in the day to give it to her. And yet I just, I somehow knew that I wasn't going to win. And sure enough, she out negotiated me and I lost and we had chocolate and caramel, salted caramel pancakes for breakfast on Saturday because my mindset was, I think she's going to beat me in this negotiation because she's going to, you know, she's going to use her tactics and she's going to use everything that I've already taught her and that she's already learned on her own. And she's going to beat me. And sure enough, she really did. She, she got her salted caramel chocolate pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> she, she didn't have a plan B either. She knew exactly what she wanted. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh yeah. There was no cereal in her, her vocabulary. No, it was pancakes with chocolate on them. Nice. Nice. So, so not having a plan B is a lot of, some people might be thinking that I always have to have a plan B. Um, it's always good to have options because when you have options, um, you have more flexibility, you have more power. But what, what would you say to someone who says that you just, you must have a plan B, Travis, like what's going on? I, I think that like not being rigid to no plan B is also very imperative but I also feel that whilst the negotiation is happening, like a plan B maybe kind of start to a little bit formulate as the worst case scenario. And, and also like, I may say, you know, just easy numbers. I might say a hundred is my, my max, but I'm going to start at 50 and, and I want to go from zero to 50 and they might want to go from zero to a hundred. Well, the plan B might be 100 or anything in between the 50 and the 100, but I'm going to try to set that. Like I used to do back in the old days when we used to travel around the world in airplanes and things, I used to negotiate with like a lot of the street vendors on the far side of the world, wherever that was. And I would sort of set a ridiculously low number as my starting point. And they would set a ridiculously high number. And so we would we just kind of work towards those numbers, but their highest number wasn't necessarily my plan B. My plan B was, you know, a good few points lower than their plan A. And so, you know, and, and then, and then I guess, I guess that could be considered a plan B, but that's kind of like the fun negotiation, like margin of error. And there's probably a better name for it than that. Does your company invest in professional development training? 
If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. No, and that's a great point. It, it is a it is a margin. It's essentially you're anchoring. So you're saying this is what I want to pay, and then they anchor higher, and then you work to collaborate on finding uh, what is called a midpoint. And so, or some people call it a zopa, a zone where you can essentially uh, agree on a particular agreement, whatever you're negotiating. So um, you started a fence company. You started a sign company in Hawaii. That sounds like the life. I started Hydro Flask. Uh, maybe what's a, what's a memorable high stakes negotiation uh, that you were in? I remember going to New York City with, with Hydro Flask to go meet up with the NBA. And I showed up, you know, just wearing a t-shirt and blue jeans. And I, I met with, with our sales rep out there and he's like, no, 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 no. We're going into the NBA up in, you know, Times Square or wherever it was. And he's like, we need to go get you a suit. I was like, oh shit, just got serious. <laughs> so we had to go buy me a suit and I show up in this suit feeling like a, you know, like an actor on the TV or something like completely out of my element and walk in. And then sure enough, here are all these massive NBA superstar celebrities just walking around and sat down at that table. And I remember like they were there with their legal team and um you know it's just me and my silly suit and this other guy in his silly suit and we're sitting there going oh yeah this is serious like we're really getting down to some brass tacks here and walked out of the uh, walked out of the place with uh with a contract with the nba and so um we were the first you know at least double wall vacuum insulated water bottle company to ever get that contract and that just so happened to be the year that the nba went on strike and it worked out so much better to our advantage because we didn't have enough money to pay for the licensing and all the fees i mean it's expensive to get licensed with the nba so it it actually worked out really well that not, you know we negotiated the contract it worked awesome but then the fact that it didn't work was like even more awesome. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> so it was a blessing in, in disguise in a way. It was, it was like, okay, this is a goal. 
got it, got the goal, achieved it. Oh, wait, don't want that goal. Oh, wait, that goal doesn't work anyway. Okay, cool. (laughs) So that was, it was a, it was a, it was like a roller coaster of bittersweet symphony. Wow. Interesting. So you got the contract and then things changed. Then what happened? Did anything happen after that? Nope. Nope. Uh, you know, it was like, we owed $250,000 or whatever it was. And it's like, Oh boy, how are we going to pay this? Oh, they went on strike. Oh, guess what? You guys are on strike. I don't feel I need to pay you. Oh yeah, you're right. You don't have to pay us. We're on strike. You can have it. And so, so we, we canceled it. Another big one that happened about kind of similar to that was we had a, um, we started a contract with this big marketing company and they were, I mean, like it was, you know, six figures, easily six figure contract. And they were supposed to do our, our logo and our website and our brochure, all of our, all of our graphics, all of our digital and, and print graphics. And they were doing a horrible job, just terrible, terrible job. But we, you know, we were locked in for, for this, you know, $300,000 contract and um, they were just they were just doing terribly at it, and so I I said okay, well let's just not pay them and let's just see what happens, you know I mean that's a negotiation tactic, right? It's like just to stop payment, and so sure enough they showed up with all of their brass. That even the HR lady came, which I thought was kind of weird. The attorneys were there, all the owners are there, everybody shows up in our boardroom. And they're like demanding payment, like upfront right now, $300,000. And we had like five grand, like to our name total as a company. And um, I open up the contract to look at it. And I go to the last page and I hadn't signed it. And I look at it and it's like, I closed it. And I said, no, we're done here. And they said, oh, well, just go ahead and sign it. We'll finish. I'm like, nah, nah, nah. My, my partner at the time, she picks up the pin to start signing it. <laughs> So I reached over, I took the pin from her. I'm like, no, we're not signing the contract for the second time when they weren't able to do it for the first time. Y'all need to leave now. And they did. They stood up and they walked out. Wow. (laughs) That's incredible. I felt like I was, I felt like I was in the room for a second. So (laughs) so, who brings an HR lady to, I guess they were, she was there to calm me down or something. I don't know. Like she might've, I don't know. I don't know what she was doing there. You had $5,000 in the bank or so. And then this agency came with 300 asking for 300 K and basically said, we want you to pay us now. And so you had to basically exercise your ability to say no. And did you want to preserve the relationship or I guess, how do you like, how do you say no in a thoughtful way as a good negotiator? Well, I think that that's, that's a great question. I, I would say it's probably situationally based, you know, whether you, say, no, get out. Or if it's, you know, let us think about it and we'll get back to you. But I find that the let us think about it and get back to you typically just prolongs the inevitable. And so as hard as it is, and I learned this and I, and I am not an HR person by any means, but I really learned this with employees and firing employees. It's you're done right now. You're done. There's no more tomorrow. There's no more next week. There's no more future. You know, please do not hold on to anything because there is nothing. And so I, I, I found, and it's hard for me to say no and be, you know, like with my daughter, that was the hardest thing in the world to say no chocolate, but I really wanted no chocolate. So it's hard sometimes to say no and mean it, but sometimes those no's really do have to be final with, with no margin of error. Cause if there's a little bit of margin, 
even the worst negotiation negotiators will find that margin start sneaking in and and start trying to open up that chasm, which you, you don't want. Right. It, it's almost like you're saying, just rip the bandaid off. Just if you need to say no, if you need to make a decision as a negotiator, just say it and it's over. It's fine. And move on right. to the next topic. And then, and then maybe, you know, and, and so it may you know, sometimes if, if, if you go from a no into a yes for them. So if you have like for me anyway, and I'm sure there's a, a great term for this, but I have a bunch of stuff that I want to give to them, but instead of just giving them all 10 items of what I'm going to give to them, I might say no, and then just pull out one or two and then give them those one or two. Here you go. Take those yeses. And Hey, you just got your wins. Well done. Good job. So it kind of um, negates that no, that I had just previously given them like a give and take in a way totally yeah because you know in the end it really does have to be a win-win-win for everybody and so if if i think about how can they win ahead of time how can they get some of what they want or a lot of what they want and then just dole those out in pieces then i can i can i can i can push them out as i see fit yeah, it's so interesting. And you mentioned win-win situations. A lot of people see negotiations as competitions where there's win-lose versus collaborations that are win-win. And so taking that approach of essentially you want to leave the person better, it seems like that's what you're doing here. But how about the folks who say, I want to give zero or I want to, or I just, I want to say uh, no to putting chocolate on the pancakes. I, I mean, it's so interesting, right? What, like, what advice do you have for people who have a hard time saying no to things? Because it seems like you do a really good job at it. Well, it's hard for me to say no. It really is. But I think that the back to the win-win, um, like, for instance, I remember, like, there was a night market in Hangzhou that I used to go to, I used in, in China, I used to love going to this one night market where you could buy whatever you wanted. And I'd buy t-shirts or I'd buy whatever I was buying. And it was a wonderful place for me to practice my negotiations because they would see me coming, this white American guy, and they'd start way high. So I'd start way low. And after a, a while of negotiating with someone, I could read in their faces, although I, and their body language, because I, of course, we didn't speak the same language. We're either using hand signals and, and numbers, or we're using a calculator in the old days or a cell phone calculator to show a number in the new days. Um, if, if, if I made them cry, or if I made them so sad that they were pissed off and they would, but they would give me what I wanted at the price I asked for, but then they would be so pissed that they just wanted me out of their space. I think, oh, that, that kind of didn't feel good. Like, I don't really feel good, like beating people down on price just to beat them down on price. So I, I, I learned quickly not to do that, but instead still stick with the ridiculously low price but then be willing to come up a bit to where I felt comfortable that it was still enough of a savings or a discount off of their original price, but they were also having enough to walk away where they didn't, they didn't feel like they lost. Cause if they felt like they lost, then it was going to be a screw you Travis forever. And I would go back to these night markets year after year, after year, after, you know, six months, every six months, every three months, I would be back at these, these night markets 
And, and then I didn't have to neg negotiate with them. I would just get my old price and it was a heck of a lot better because, oh, hey, there's Travis again. Hey, here you go. Here, we got some new stuff in and we know your size and here it is. And you know how much you pay and I know how much you pay. And it became a better long-term relationship. Whereas the ones that I would just beat them down on price and I would win, it, it, they, they would want nothing to do with me, even if I was giving them full price. Definitely. And what you just explained is basically not always the richest deals for someone are the best deals. Sometimes giving and taking makes sense, especially over the long term, because I think people will come back to do deals with people who they know are honest and trustworthy. So you built that trust with the people you're negotiating with, whether it's the MBA or whether it's at a market overseas in China that that still is fundamentally the same is that you're thinking a few months ahead rather than just the now here in the moment. And that's hard uh, to do. And that's really, really, really difficult. And an another hard thing to do is starting a business, starting a company. You have experience doing that. And there are people listening right now who are negotiating with themselves. They maybe have an idea for a business, just like how you have, uh, but they don't know where to start. And so what advice do you have for entrepreneurs who are negotiating with themselves, maybe that, you know, whether they should start their company or they shouldn't? Well, I'd say call the Tumlo group, look me up, Travis Ross, back on LinkedIn and reach out and, and let's talk about you starting your new business and, and how we can help. I think if, if it's something that you just have a passion for and you can't really explain it, but it just feels like it already is and you have a vision and you, you don't know how it's going to happen, the how doesn't matter. You don't need to have a how. Don't get wrapped up on how. If it's going to be, do it and just put one foot in front of the other. Just register an LLC in your home state. Go and buy a book on business plans for dummies. I've got a ton of shelves of, of books of idiots guides and for dummies guides for business. Start with that. Start reading books of other people who are successful or listening to the podcasts that can teach you things that you can learn or watch YouTube videos. Take a class micro specifically on what the industry is or, or, or what you're looking to get into. And then just full immersion, jump right in head first into the deep end and just go do it. Don't worry about someone throwing you a life ring. They may or may not, but chances are you're going to, you're going to swim. Then the Nike slogan applies in so many different facets of life. Just do it. You're right. Yeah. I think, I think uh, really immersing yourself is, is so important. And also um, even surrounding yourself with people who are going to support you, whether you're um, successful and or not. And so Going in and finding the resources necessary are, is so, so key, but also like starting within the mindset that like you can do it is, is also important. And so um, taking care of your mindset and taking care of your mind is, is super important. And I know that um, meditation and, and yoga and things like that are super important to you. So um, if listeners maybe don't do yoga or, or aren't into meditating, but have a big negotiation coming up with their salary, or maybe they're buying a home. Um, how do you deal with stress maybe before a negotiation or before a, a big moment? That's a great question. And I think that's one that, that really does need to be part and parcel of all negotiation. It's just sort of 
getting yourself mentally prepared, physically prepared to go into big situations, big meetings, big negotiations, big whatever it might be. And getting grounded for me really helps just breathing, just imagining the energy going out down through my feet and down through the floor and down through the dirt and down into the core of the earth and just grounding helps a lot. And then like, it it may sound a little silly, but um, this movie, you're you're probably quite young for it, Shane, but it's called Tommy boy with, with Chris Farley and David Spade. And I, one of my favorite lines from any movie, let alone that movie is when uh, Chris Farley, Tommy gets his first sale, which is he orders shrimp at the restaurant, even though the waitress had told him that the fryer was closed and they weren't doing shrimp. And after he, he talks to he negotiates into the shrimp from the, the waitress and she goes to put him in the basket. Um, David Spade asks him, he's like, how did you do that? You just got your first sale. You haven't been able to sell all week. Now you're, you're, you just got, got your first sale. And Chris Farley said, well, it doesn't really matter if I got the shrimp or not, because I've got the meat lovers pizza in the trunk. Like I, and basically what he's saying is I have a plan B. So it doesn't really matter if I get this sale or not. And so, you know, I know I just, I might sound a bit hypocritical for saying you don't need a plan B, but, but also knowing that your plan B could just walk away and have no deal whatsoever and, and, and agree to not agree and go back to the drawing board or walk away altogether. That could be a plan B as well. But just knowing that no matter what happens, like nobody's going to die today. Nobody's going to get hurt. The world's not going to come to an end, you know, like it's going to be okay. No matter if we sign this contract or not can be a peace of mind to get you into that mindset, perhaps before you go into those big ones. Absolutely. I mean, knowing that the sun is going to come up, knock on wood the next day, it has for a long time, but sometimes it's hard to have that perspective when you're in it, when you're getting ready to negotiate and, and when you're deciding what to say. And so that's great advice about just really grounding yourself, speaking with someone who, who maybe calms you down or, or makes you feel good um, are all super, super important. And I know that it must have been a really good feeling when Hydroflask, the sales were just spreading across the country. Uh, when you were working out of the garage six months in, sales were explosive. And so tell us what happened with Hydroflask now and um, what, where is the company now? How did you exit? What, like, how do you feel about it all? Yeah. Okay. Well, so uh, yeah, I had, um, we, we went through just a tremendous amount of ups and downs and it was a rocky road and it was a roller coaster and all of these metaphors and analogies. And at the end of the day, it just, the season was over for me and I was ready to go do other. And my brother had just died. I had just gotten married. Um, we had a bunch of, you know, the bigger you get, the more people want to come in to throw rocks at you. And we had people throwing rocks at us and that were just frivolous. And it just felt like it, even though the, the, the company was like on a, just a complete 600% a quarter upward trajectory growth to me, it kind of felt like I was getting stagnant and stale. Like I'd been all around the world selling the product. I'd been in the military bunkers down underground negotiating you know, contracts with the U.S. government. I'd been the in New York. I'd been 
in all over the world negotiating big, big deals. And I kind of just got tired of it. I just kind of got bored of it. And I was ready to let it go on to be um, Hydro Flask like 2.0, basically, or, or a continuation really of 1.0. And um, the the gentleman who had been investing with us, I, I just said, hey, you know, like, I think, I think I'm about done. What do you, what do you think about that? And he says, all right, well, you know, we'd like to give you all this money if you stay for four more years. And I said, no, I'm not really interested. And he came back and says, we'll give you all of this money if you stay four more years. And I said, ah, I'm still just, I'm out, you know? And so, um, I did, I, I, I said, well, I want out, but I want you to keep all the employees in bend. I don't want you to fire anybody. I don't want you to do this, 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 and this. And, and, and they agreed. And so I was, I was, I was pleased with how all that turned out. And, and so I tapped out and now the, the DNA that was baked into it and the sort of ethos and the, the work ethic that we had, and a lot of the employees that, that I had back then are still there, still doing really well, which is a lot of fun to think about and, and to see. Um, and now it's, yeah, they're doing over a billion dollars a year with Helena Troy. Awesome. Yeah. It's great to hear that people are still around at the company and that your legacy, it seems like is forever going to be tied to this company that is hydrating people all around the world. And it's much more than just a water bottle, it seems like. And so now um, thinking about the future, your future, um, you mentioned your daughter, so you're a girl dad. And uh, so that's exciting. Uh, what, what is exciting for you right now and, and how can listeners support you, um, on your journey? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, right now I've, I've got some property I'm developing, uh, which is a lot of fun. I, I, I learned how to use chainsaws and, and big, heavy equipment, which I really enjoy. I have a lot of fun in skid steers and backhoes and with my Husqvarna chainsaws. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm developing property right now. As you said, I, my daughter, I had my daughter at least 50% of the time. And, and so I'm, I'm a full-time dad with, with her 50% of the time. And, um, the Tumalo group is a lot of fun. We get to help people who have an idea for a product or they want to take their business to another level and they're looking for, uh, business consulting or, or coaching or better practices, you know, and I don't really have a, uh, like a formula, like most business coaches or consultants. I don't have a book I'm selling. I don't have a five-step surefire program to get you from step one to step five and off to a billion dollars. I don't have any of that. It's more of just a channel. Like I just open up the channel and um, we just we just do business back and forth and back and forth. And so the people who we choose to work with um, just know that you know, they, they can go from zero, just an, an idea on a napkin all the way through to having products launched and in people's homes within about four months. And that's what I really enjoy doing. I get to build the business without having to run it day by day. And I don't have to deal with that minutia. So, um, it's, it's kind of like my sweet spot where I am right now with that. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun to see other people succeed and, and, and have these big wins. Fantastic. You're passing on your knowledge so someone else can create the next Hydro Flask. Who yep. knows? Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> well, fantastic. Travis Rossback, pleasure having you on the show today. And thank you everyone so much for listening. Thank you, Shane. 
Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.